Welcome to Let's Drive, SA's motoring podcast. In this episode, the new Mitsubishi Triton, the Audi A1 Sportsback, and the Suzuki Espresso. We dive into the world of e-gaming, particularly on the motoring front, and wrap things up with the Let's Drive Top 5. Are you ready? Let's drive. Welcome to the show. New frontiers are being broken with this brand new podcast on the motoring front. It is Let's Drive. Welcome to the show. I'm Derek Alberts and I'm joined by my two hosts today, the very, very well-known motoring journalists, Valdu van der Waal and Hannes Fiss. It is a time of lockdown, so they're not with me personally, but they are on various sides of South Africa. Waldo van der Waal over in Johannesburg and down in the beautiful part of uh, wilderness, we have Hannes Fisser. Firstly, Waldo, welcome to the show. Hey Derek, thanks so much. And after that intro, I must admit I'm a little bit sweaty. I mean, the music's good, your voice sounds like a pro. Well, I guess it is because it's a pro. But um, yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, exciting times ahead. Hannes, how are things down in wilderness? Beautiful weather, beautiful sea, the beach is looking great from a distance that is, uh, yeah, so all good I guess. Yeah, geez, you sound a little despondent though, how can you be? You, you're on lockdown over in Wilderness uh, and you you joined by phenomenal people as well. I mean, it's, isn't it, is it an extended holiday for you or is there a bit of work being done too? Well, it started off as a holiday and we all know how that turned out and now uh, it's becoming a, a story of survival because I am going to run out of certain necessities in the next week and that's not a good prospect. <laughs> and uh, those necessities being bread, bananas, fruit, veggies? Oh, they could be all sorts of things, Derek. I'll leave it up to your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are on lockdown, so no better time to get the show on the road. Now, it's called Let's Drive and... Uh, yeah, by no coincidence, uh, we do have the two presenters of Latville, the very popular show over on CakeNet that has been going on for, for how many years now, Valise? Yes, we started um, in 2004, uh, the 5th of May 2004, I think the first episode went out. So uh, we're uh, 16 years on air and I think we've done 450-ish, Hannes might know better, thereabouts um, episodes. So. Yeah, the first one of this season was episode number 449, so episode 450 will air next week. Oh man, geez, what My a word. milestone. Uh, any, any big celebrations planned for the... Uh, the 500 mark? Yeah, we're going to stay at home with our families. <laughs> I'm going to stay at home and use up my last necessity. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a long time, Derek. It's been a fantastic journey with Latville as well. If you think about it, you know, you say 450 episodes quickly. It doesn't sound that much. But just think about the work that goes into it. Each episode has two or three, sometimes four cars that we test drive. We have to write the scripts, film them, edit everything. Obviously, we've editors that do that sort of thing, then voiceover recording, final mixing, put out on air. You know, 450 times, rinse and repeat. It's a lot. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I know the background in terms of TV, so it does sound like a lot. I mean, you said it doesn't sound like a, I beg to differ. 450 is a hell of a lot, and uh, years to the next 450. So there's the credentials out the way. You are dealing with two absolute pros in the motoring game. They've put in the hard yards, and they've come out smiling in the end, well, somewhat. Uh, that's if they manage to keep all their essentials intact. And, uh, yeah, there's me, who's uh, been a passenger uh, when Hannes is driving. So uh, I'm, I'm that much of an expert in terms of his driving skills. 
skills. So yeah, you're in good hands, folks. Um, some big cars on the way. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into that. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, um, Voldu, I, I mean, this just, it was essential that we, we got this podcast on the road. We've been talking about it for a couple of years now, and uh, I'm glad to, to finally see it uh, come to fruition. You know, it felt to me that there is definitely an opportunity in the South African market to just talk about cars in a South African sense, in a South African way, because South Africans have a very different way of looking at things. Our roads are different. We deal with things that are different from all over the world. So while it's nice to have access to international news and international opinions, it, it really does make more sense to localize it to our own country, where we deal with taxis and traffic lights that are not working, you know, the vagaries of South Africa. And Hannes, why cars for you? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Just to add on to what uh, Valder just said, you know, South Africa is a very unique country in a lot of ways. Obviously, we know that. But um, when it comes to the car market, just for interest sake, you know, if you go to the back of any motor magazine and you count the amount of cars and models that are available, uh, for the size of our market, we've got more choices. I think there's about two and a half, three thousand 3,000 different choices of different cars that people can go and buy in this country. That's how diverse we are. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to me and cars, I don't know. I've always had a love affair with them since I was little. I uh, used to steal my father's cars at school. I gave them back. Not always in 100% the same condition that I got them. But anyway, that's how it all started, I guess. Yeah, I, I was chatting to you guys when we were working out the format of the show in terms uh, of how many cars can we review. And uh, you were, were pretty back to about it you, you said there's absolutely no question got to do minimum three and i thought well is there capacity to do that i mean how many cars are, are coming out and uh yeah values you have vociferous the new cars coming out uh, almost every day in SA. it's a constant stream of new vehicles being brought to market in south africa if i just look at the number of launch invites that we get in the regular world obviously the world beyond corona um it is a never-ending stream we could literally go on a launch a week in south africa uh, sometimes more than that, they quite often overlap. So the, the number of new cars coming to market is simply staggering, which says something about the, the, um, the power, buying power of our market. If there's, if there's more cars coming, then there must be more cars being sold. So this is a collaboration between Radar Media and Plan C Productions. Valdo and Hannes are being involved with Plan C. And it's not just the motoring show that they put together from Latville, but uh, they've been involved in the motoring industry. As mentioned, they've been journalists. But on top of that, um, various launches, I mean, videos, write-ups, the works. And of course, the three of us uh, get to travel to uh, the far-fung places uh, every year for, for the Dakar Rally, Hannes. Well, motorsport is a big part of, of what we have been doing for the last how many ever years. Um, between Valdo and myself and our former colleagues, we used to cover the South African Rally Championship. We made the TV show for that for about seven or eight years. The last six or seven years, we've been involved with the South African Cross Country Series, and that's obviously also led to uh, to us going to Dakar together for the last four or five years. Yeah, so uh, yeah, plenty of uh, intellect, knowledge, the works uh, between... I'd say the three of us, but probably <clears throat> just the two of us, uh, <laughs> Baldo and Hannes included. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, let's uh, get into the cars. Live in the moment till I die. So first up, Hannes, the new Mitsubishi Triton, uh, a car that's very much a fair with the South African public because first and foremost, it's a, a double cab bucky, so to speak. It's something that uh, we see every day all over the place. Derek, double cab uh, buckies are, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a weird situation that we find ourselves in South Africa. Double cabs are probably the most popular form of transport for South Africans. 
Um, they have just evolved so much over the years, and, and, and if you just look at the sales, I mean, Toyota Hilux re regularly sells the most amount of cars out of any car in South Africa. It's not always the double cabs, but um, Bucky's are very, very popular. Yeah, you mentioned the Hilux. Uh, I think if you ask anyone uh, in the street, you say, name the top three Hiluxes in, in oh, sorry, the top three Bucky's in SA, <laughs> you'd probably get a Hilux and a Ranger, and then they'd have to think about the third. Um, but here's where the Triton comes in. Well, yeah, so Hilux is top, um, Ranger is second. Often when it comes to the top of the range, flagship double cab 4x4s, then uh, Ranger every now and then outsells the, 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 the equivalent Hilux. But third is a diff difficult one. It, um, I think it's often the Isuzu, actually, that's number three. But, you know, then it becomes very competitive after that. You, <clears throat> excuse me, you have the Nissan Navara, you have the Mitsubishi Triton, the Mazda BT-50. There's a whole lot of Chinese buckies out there, as well as the Volkswagen Amarok. You know? So it's very competitive beyond the Derek, top two. Derek, it, it's quite interesting that, that like Anna says, it's competitive between the top two. But like you say, the, the, it's the Hilux and the Ranger. And the, that next spot is the one that yeah. everybody's fighting for. Yeah. You know, the, even the motoring industry has accepted <clears> that the Toyota Hilux and the, and the Ford Ranger are the ones that set the pace. And they can trade blows and the one's better or the, whatever. The, the bottom line is for everybody else, it's that third spot that they're after. Um, and, and it's quite often surprising to see, like Anna says, Isuzu is there, then, then the Amarok is actually, you know, it does quite well from time to time as well, depending on which models are out and, and what packages and prices are, are on offer at that stage. But that third spot is the one that we really want to talk about today. Yeah, it's interesting because taking into a sporting parlance, of course, all teams aim for the gold medal, but with the gold and silver looking have uh, already been wrapped up, so to speak, although that's also a question for another day in terms of who's got the gold and silver. It's that bronze medal that everyone's fighting for, or the rest is fighting for, because from... Hilux and the Ranger, you've got daylight. And the question is, who comes after daylight? And, and Hannes, uh, having experienced a lot of the Triton, um, is Mitsubishi good enough to, to claim that bronze for now? I absolutely believe so, yes. Um, the Triton represents very good value for many. If you look at the Ford, you know, the, the, the um, relevant models here, the Ford is 670,000. The Isuzu comes in at 610. No, sorry, it's 510 for the Isuzu. The Mazda is uh, 600. The Triton 600, whereas the Navara is 680 and the Hilux is 690. So the Triton does pretty much exactly what the Ford and the Hilux does for, for 80,000 rand less. Yeah, and the, the, the price is fantastic. But then question has to be said, why is it that they are selling so few in comparison to, to the rest? Well, I think it's a long story with, with Ford and Toyota being strong brands and, and all the marketing and stuff that's gone into it. But as a product, the Triton definitely deserves to be on every single double cab bucky buyer's um, shopping list. And yeah, this exactly is the interesting the thing, thing. The, the interesting thing about these vehicles and, and many other similar vehicles, you know, the, the Mitsubishi Pajero Sport is another good example, also out of the Mitsubishi stable. But these various other vehicles are really, really good products. Like I said, they're good products, but they're not, um, they're not selling as well as the Ford and the, and the Toyota. And the reason can only be buyer confidence. Um, why would you pay more for a Toyota than you would for a, for a car that's just as good potentially, in the form of the Mitsubishi Triton. Well, there is, the reason is that Toyota has a, a dealer in every town and they have um, great access to parts. Uh, servicing is fairly cheap. You can have it fixed by anyone pretty much all over the African continent. Can you say the same about the Triton? Yeah, well, th that is the question. Aesthetically, um, 
in my mind, and and again, I don't have nearly enough knowledge in cars as, as my two co-hosts, esteemed co-hosts, but the Triton is, is very much a easily identified vehicle. You've got that rear window that uh, tapers towards the end, um, or the ones in, in the, the passenger seats. Aesthetically looking, it's quite pretty, and it? Well, I would say so, and, and you can spot it a mile away. It is. It is pretty. And the thing is, nowadays, people don't use buckies for, you know, like in the old days, you know. <laughs> they can still put bikes and whatever on the back. But they use this everyday normal family cars. And um, the Triton is a very, very stylish car. I mean, if you if you look at it, it looks good on the road. It looks good in the bush. It, it, it works. I like the styling a lot. Yeah, for me, the, the nose of the Triton is really its strongest suit. That really is what sets it apart. You know, if you look at it from the front, it's it's got quite a lot of presence. It's a very much a bucky. But South Africans like to put bull bars and things on their buckies and winches and so on. And I, I said it at the time on Latville as well. What, what happens if you take away that nose to fit a, a bull bar? <laughs> then the bucky loses a lot of its presence as well. You know, so, yeah, the styling is good, but is it good for the South African market? Yeah, I think it all depends on what you want to use the car for. So certain people would buy a bucky just as a family car and use it every day to drive around town and maybe on the weekend put the mountain bike on the back, whereas other people use their buckies to really go into Africa, and that's something that we did over December with the Triton. We took it into Namibia and Botswana and really, really used it. And there you come across the, the overlanding guys that replaced the front bumpers and put up, uh, put up all the roll bars and the big wheels and all of that. And I don't, I've never seen a Triton without its, uh, with a replacement bumper. I don't know how that's going to look. No, I haven't seen one either. And that's a problem. But I tell you what, we, uh, we still managed to get through uh, Botswana and the Moremi and Savuti and Chobi and all those places without putting a, a single scratch on the, on that beautiful big bumper of the Triton. So it is possible. Yeah, I think as far as putting things to the test or putting cars to the test with regards to uh, this type of vehicle, it doesn't get much better than what you did uh, over December. And um, I mean, afterwards, uh, did you, you come out smiling? Would you say you'd, you'd do it again in the same vehicle? Yeah, absolutely, Derek. I mean, uh, but that counts for all the top buckies. You know, they're all really, really good nowadays. They've got all the all the luxuries that you can expect to want. Um, it's got all the four by four systems and diff locks and low range and everything you would need. And uh, it just it, it, it's perfectly, perfectly suited for everyday African life. I mean, the, the, a double cab is really that good. Valis, your your experience with the Triton. Uh, I mean, over the years, it's been a, a play in the market for for quite some time now. Oh, it's been around for a long time, and it, it obviously evolved from the early Colts, uh, which were really, really tough buckies when they first came out, back in the days when Mitsubishi was still distributed by Mercedes-Benz in South Africa. They sort of set the, the benchmark as, as a viable bucky, an alternative to the established players. And since then, it's really evolved into a refined vehicle that, that works really well. Now, Hannes took the car out to, uh, to Namibia and Botswana over December. I was the opposite. I only drove it around town. And as an everyday driving vehicle, I found it absolutely fantastic. Comfortable, all the mod cons that you want. You know, it is easy to drive, easy to park. Visibility is good. You know, so to me, as an everyday vehicle, it's a, it's a very viable option. Engine-wise? The engine's great. Um, the engine's a 2.4 turbo diesel. The power is 100% comparable with, with all the other competitors. The uh, consumption was great, even in, in the thick sand of the Savuti and whatever. It's, it's, like I say, they're all very, very close. It really, really comes down to, uh, at the end of the day, personal choice and preference and, and price. And that's why I think that the Triton deserves a lot more sales because it offers pretty much what the other guys do for 70 or 80,000 at least. 
Okay, so uh, I pose it to you a little early. I'm going to do it once more. Uh, bronze medal in the battle for the double cabs. Does uh, Triton take the spot for you for now? Go for it, honest. It's a difficult one. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest. I think we need to, uh, we need to have another Bucky shootout, Valdez for Latville, and get all of them together and decide who's up in the third position. But there's tough competition sure. out there. The Nevada is good. So is the, the, the Amarok, obviously. We're not even talking about the V6 Amarok, because the V6 Amarok, to me, uh, should be is, 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 is the gold winner. But that's a story for another day. No, I was just going to say, for me, the bronze position, if I had to spend my own money, it's a Toyota first or a Ford, one of those two in first and second place, I would really not feel bad about spending my money on the Triton. I really wouldn't. Ah, good to hear. Well, uh, let's drive out of five. What do you give it out of five, Hanbal? Uh, four out of five. Oh, not yeah, bad. So, same for me, four out of five. Four out of five. There we go. The Mitsubishi Triton. Uh, yeah. Could it claim that bronze medal? Well, according to Hannes, certainly for now. Moving on to the next car uh, that we'll be reviewing. It is, Valis, the Audi A1 Sportback. And it's a a car that you had a a lot of experience with uh, over the, the last couple of months, I think. Yeah, I got to drive it quite a bit, um, mainly within uh, the confines of Joburg. I never had a chance to take it out on the open road, but I spent a bit of time behind the wheel of the little, the littlest Audi. And um, I must be honest that, uh, actually, let me tell you about, uh, about my, my conclusion at the end of this little piece. But it's a, it's a really, really fun little car and an interesting one to chat about. Yeah, well, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what your experiences were like with regard... <laughs> And it's funny because you speak about, I mean, everyone talks about Audi and you put it in the range of, of the other two big uh, German uh, saloons. But um, in this, supper, this, this time around, uh, it shares a platform with the, the Polo. Yeah, you know, we, we say a platform or manufacturers call it a platform, but it really is a technology. It's an underlying technology. So it's not a physical platform that the wheels get bolted onto. It's more a set of of um, scalable technologies that get used by manufacturers in order to save cost. Um, this one is called the MQB platform. Um, and it's used across the VW Audi range. It's not just the, the A1 and the Polo that actually share this. There's a couple of other vehicles as well. But it is interesting that, that it's used in the, in the case of the A1. Um, and unfortunately, because the, the term platform is used in the press, Many people think that it really is just an expensive version of the Polo, and it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, this is an Audi through and through, um, and it, it looks like one. It drives like one. You know, it's got all the family um, hallmarks that you expect in an Audi. It just is a smaller version of a big Audi, really. Um, to me, the one that we drove is the 40 TFSI, uh, which has a two-liter engine. I don't know where the 40 really comes from, but... Um, it is, it's a powerful version of the 2-liter engine that uh, VW and Audi employ across their range. This one has 320 newton meters of torque and 147 kilowatts of power, which is a hell of a lot for a little car like that. Zero to 106.5 seconds. And if you, um, if you get out of town and away from all the cops, you could get it to 230-odd kilometers an hour in the top speed. So it's, it's, a, it's a big little car. That's really the point of it. It's amazing the contrast between the two cars that we've reviewed so far because we go over from the Triton where you said you used it out in the urban areas in the city and it's a big car but you can use it in the city and then you look at something like the RU where <laughs> yeah. it's a car where, where people 
want to have the luxury, but they also don't want the space. And uh, South Africa, we don't have that big a problem with it, but uh, you look over to Europe with very small parking spaces, et cetera, and this, this is a perfect fit. But the thing is, if you think about it, not everybody needs a big car. If, you, if you're a, uh, an executive company and you've, it's just yourself and your partner, why do you need a, a massive saloon? Mm. You really don't. You, you can make do with a smaller car, but you don't want to sacrifice the toys that you usually find in a bigger car. And if, if that's what you're after, a, a smaller luxury car, then this is certainly one of the best options out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice looking car too. Yeah, with a nice Isn't price it? tag to match. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, the, that's my whole point, really. You know, it's, it's half a million bucks for, for the, the version that we drove. And, you know, it feels like a lot of money to say 500,000 Rand for an expensive Polo. But you have to change that mindset because it is an expensive Polo. It's a, it's a more compact Audi. And it's a very well-spec, very well-equipped vehicle. Um, so if you can change the, the, your, your thinking to get away from the idea for smaller cars. It's, it's, it's only smaller in terms of, um, of stature. Everything else is big, price tag for sure, but also equipment, the way it drives, performance, everything is that of a big car. Anis, you don't sound sold uh, with that little interjection there. No, I understand completely what Waldo is saying. I mean, it is a it is a, a, a small big car, a big small car, whatever. So it's got all the Audi bits and pieces and so on, and that's what you pay for. I mean, you actually, you absolutely get what you pay for. But just to elaborate a little bit on the whole platform thing that Waldo started off with, to give you an example, and this is the, the perception that they will have to change, is that um, people perceive platform as chassis, and it's not a chassis. Platform, like Waldo said, is an underlying technology. And just to give you an example, uh, Volkswagen is famous for, for having this other platform um, that, that that yields the following cars. So the Lamborghini Urus, which is the big SUV Lamborghini, is built on the same platform, not chassis platform, as the Volkswagen Touareg, the Porsche Cayenne, the Audi Q7, and the Bentley Bentayga. I mean, these all cars that vary from 1 million rand to 4 million rand in price. And so that just shows you how different technologies can be used um, from, you know, in, in, in a brand like Volkswagen. Yeah, I always laugh. I, I always look back to Dakar, um, where we see the likes of Mini competing. And, I mean, we've been next to those Minis. I mean, they're, they're Minis by name only, because there's, there's certainly not Minis underneath that hood, Hannes. No, they're not. They purposely purpose bought racing machines. Completely different thing, but yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Just to expand on the MQB, so since Hannes mentioned some of the models, I didn't really expand on it too much earlier, but just the... MQB that this car is built on, the Audi A1, is shared with the A3, the Audi TT, the Audi Q2, Audi Q3, and that's just within the Audi stable. The VW Arteon, the big fancy car, is also built on it, as is the Caddy, the Golf Mark 7, the Golf Mark 8. It just carries on. The Passat, even the Tiguan, the Touran, there's a lot of cars that share this underlying technology. And yeah, you alluded to it earlier, uh, the fact that uh, you took the Audi out for a couple of spins um, a while back uh, and your overall experience of it, you said you, you wanted to divulge a bit more? Yeah, what I, what I really found interesting was how quite often with smaller cars, it's very difficult for the manufacturers to control the, the NVH, the noise, vibration and harshness of the vehicle. Inherently, smaller cars have, have fewer and smaller panels to, uh, to use as sound, sound dampening and so on. Um, in the A1, Audi did a stellar job of making this car feel insulating. So it's an insular experience when you're in that vehicle. You cut off from the outside world. 
very, very well. You hardly even hear the, the like a two-liter engine doing its thing. Um, the gearbox is a, a six-speed S-Tronic transmission. It is so smooth that you hardly notice it. it. Even so, it's very reactive. So overall, the driving experience in the A1 was, to me, absolutely superb. Um, and, I, I mean, I could easily own one. I'd have it tomorrow. Oh, that, that's interesting yeah. to you. And uh, size-wise, I mean, we keep on about the fact that it's a small luxury car. Uh, now, Valdu uh, Heritage, she's originally from the Netherlands, all the family's from the Netherlands, who is the tallest country in the world. Um, Valdu isn't the tallest man in the world, though, but uh, did you fit comfortably in it? I did, and to me, one of the asset tests with every car that I test drive is usually to set the driving position for myself and then get into the, the seat behind the driver. So get into the back seat of the car and just find out how that feels. So if someone had to sit behind me, someone similar size. And in the A1, I wouldn't want to sit there all the way to Cape Town from Joburg. But um, but it's certainly good enough for, for uh, you know, little urban trips and so on to, to have two big guys sitting behind each other. No problem. Oh, well, that's interesting to hear. Uh, Hanbal, any more thoughts to add? No, I mean, we've spoken about the price tag. But like I said, you get what you pay for. It's a proper Audi. It's just small in, in size. That's it. No, oh, well, uh, out of five for you, the, the let's drive out of five. Valdu? I struggle to fault today, so for me, it's full marks for that little car. Wow. Hannes, uh, do you want to give a score, or, or do you reckon you, you didn't have much uh, I'll, 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 I'll join my partner in his five out of five there. Wow, geez. So that's uh, full marks for the Audi A1 Sportback. Congratulations. It's the small luxury car. Perfect uh, for inner city trips, but... Uh, not so much if you want to travel from Joburg through to Cape Town, if you're sitting on the back seat, that is. Living the moment till I die. Moving over now to the third car of the show. It is the Suzuki Espresso. Now, interesting uh, email uh, popped into my inbox uh, a couple of days ago. Suzuki to sharpen its focus on affordable vehicles. Now, we are speaking during the lockdown and... Yeah, geez. I mean, it obviously hampered industries uh, throughout the world uh, with regards to anything, really, specifically when it comes to eventing and hosting events and in the motoring industry, uh, car launches being a case in point. So, Valdu, Suzuki came on board with a very novel concept to, to overcome the problem that they had. Well, it's really interesting because um, Hannes and I actually worked on, on the material for the Suzuki Espresso launch, uh, still pictures and video and so on. So we were quite excited to follow how things were going down in Cape Town. Uh, the entire Suzuki crew had moved down there. They were getting ready. Everything was prepped. Everything was ready to go for the for the launch. I think it was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday of the week. And then, uh, then Corona hit and everything had to be dialed back. And so what do you do once you're already on location and everything's in place? I mean, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, we've got the man from Suzuki on the line, Brendan Carpenter. Brendan, welcome to the show. Jeez, uh, uh, you had to, to, to make the best of a, a very bad situation, but uh, you managed to overcome it somewhat. Uh, congratulations. Uh, and tell us uh, how, how you did manage to. Hi, Derek. Yes, um, it was quite an interesting one for us. So um, as, as you mentioned, um, our our launch was due to start on the Tuesday and on Sunday evening every one of us we were in Cape Town we drove the cars well some of the cars down from Johannesburg to Cape Town and we were faced with a bit of a challenge when uh, our president Cyril Ramaphosa said that uh, we would need to change the the, the the concept of social gatherings and it's not only with our media launch it was with our dealer launch that was starting on that following day the Monday 
where, which will see, see us in excess of 100 people gathering wow. um, together. And this was now the evening, like let's say just after nine o'clock. And we had to think, okay, how are we going to do this? Um, bearing in mind that some of our dealers have already flown into the night before, um, those that are from rural dealerships and things like that too. So yes, it was quite, quite a challenge on our side. And we had one of two options. Number one being, uh, do we go ahead? Um, do we maybe only cancel our dealer event and still get the media in? Because by that measure, uh, the media event would have been still under the 100 cap. Or could we, should we cancel both and uh, just cut our losses and, and go home? And um, we, we sat all together. We said, okay, how are we going to do this? And we said, you know what? We're not going to let this get us down. We've, we are here. Those of us who are here, we'll, we'll stay here. And let's, let, let's make it work with who we have and what we have at hand and, and see what we can say, do from there. Well, obviously, as a journalist, you get all the information. So it was great to still get the information timelessly and so on. But um, from a motoring point of view, you want to drive the car. So I'm sure that Brendan will <laughs> give us the opportunity to do that as soon as, we, uh, as, soon as things return to normal. But um, it, was, it was very clever. I think Brendan should just explain exactly what they did. Cool. Perfect. So um, what we did is we said, well, we've never done an online launch. We've never done a, a live stream for that matter. Um, our team there, we were thinking, okay, how are we going to bring this launch to everyone, still give them the experience of what, everything that we've planned for the launch, but in a digital environment. So um, we said, well, should we fly in people who, who, who have expertise or get people who does or who has a lot of expertise on, um, let's say, live streaming events? And we said, no, because that'll be once again against what, what, or what the recommendation would be. So we took our um, videographer um, and photographer of the event and we said, well, let's record everything that we were going to do on the launch and let's record it the day before and put it into a, a digital format of a well-crafted video that we can then share on our live stream, so-called. Um, and I'll say so-called because it wasn't actually a live stream. It was a video premiere of what happened the day before that we curated in a way that we can then put in our live stream um, uh, as a video premiere the, the day thereafter of the launch. So that had a, we had a turnaround time of around 24 hours that we had to wow. go through the route and everything and present a video that is then premiered at that time, which was the original time that the launch was going to be. And bearing in mind that we had our um, top management there with us, um, our, our MD, and they, would have, they really had faith in us to, to pull this off because they could easily be the ones to pull the plug and say, no, let's cut our losses, let's go back home, and let's see how we can um, uh, just, just move on further from this. And yes, it was, if it wasn't for, for their leadership and their trust, we would not have been able to say, you know what, let's, we've got everyone here, let's take this week, let's take the two days prior to the launch, and let's film everything. Even though we had 20 cars, there was about 10 of us, <laughs> Um, driving in convoy to take the videos and to take the viewers, um, and not only the journalists through the vehicles, but also open it up to the public. So in essence, we didn't. We, we decided we, we're not going to have a face-to-face -face event, but we're going to invite everyone on a digital platform and premiere it as a video on Facebook and on and on YouTube. I can certainly, from my from my side, uh, I can certainly say that it was definitely very very well received, and I'm sure that Brendan's looking forward to the end of lockdown so that they can get bums in seats and, and uh, to sell a hell of a lot of those cars. I have a I have a quick question for you, Brendan. Um, just as an interested party, obviously the 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 press response to the vehicle uh, to the introduction of the vehicle. How is that compared to to your normal launch introductions? I mean, can you is it is it more? Is it less? 
or is it similar? Because obviously if it's similar, then this might be something that you could consider in future as well, because now instead of just speaking to the press and relying on the press to get your message out there, you're speaking to the public at large. Anybody who can watch your live stream, you can speak to directly. So do you think this is better or worse for you? I think for the Espresso, it, it worked out a little bit better in, in the fact that we could um, really talk to our target audience in a way that they would like to be, be, be spoken to. Um, the fact that they would like to be inclusive, the fact that they would want to see what's happening behind the scenes, we almost gave them uh, uh, an experience that they would not have had if we continued the, the same way. Mm. Now, by the same measure, we didn't get the opportunity to get the, the journalist and the media uh, driving the vehicle, which is something at Suzuki we take really seriously because we want people to experience the car. So the route that we set out, the gravel piece that we set out, all of that was predetermined to say, you know what, we want to tell the, the story that this little Suzuki Espresso can go where, where, wherever your, your, imagine wants to take, your, your imagination wants to take you to. So it's not only a, a piece of road that we set that highlights all the benefits of the car, but to really show that in, in, in cases where, where the road is not um, in, in too good of a condition or where it's quite bumpy being at, on that hook of the Western Cape, that we have a vehicle that can literally cross any terrain in, in that regard. And unfortunately, that's the piece that we had to um, relate to video and mm. hopefully get across to, to the media who wants to drive it. So from an inclusivity point of view from our, our public audience, it's been exceptional. We've got over 10,000 views on an organic um, video view, which is great. We didn't boost it in any way um, prior to the to the event. We only had a bit of a, of a pre-launch campaign, which, which we said, you know what, tune in tomorrow because we're going to go live instead of having the, 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 the traditional event. And um, also to get all the media kits out to the media to, to because everything we sent down the day before to Cape Town, and then we had to send it that day thereafter back to everyone, to their personal addresses, as also a, a, a reminder or an invitation to watch the event live. So from both elements, I think it was a win for us in terms of getting the, the media out there. And also because we were lucky enough to be the first to do a, a, a digital launch um, in under these circumstances, I think it, it also boosted the the, the event. To yeah, the interest extent. in it. Definitely. You, you were the first and you were left with no choice. And, and also, there's no question that you were the first, given that you had 24 hours in which to do it. And I think it, it's a perfect example of when life uh, gives you lemons, make lemonade. And, and you did a, a sterling job. So now we know about how you went about launching the Espresso. But now tell us a bit more about the, the urban SUV itself. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a great little car. And um, it's one that we've obviously had behind the scenes and been working on behind the scenes for quite some time. Um, after its international launch in India, even prior to that, um, we had our vehicle come in and we were saying, you know what, this is a very important car for us. Um, we can't, we, we, we can't um, mess this one up, if I can use that term, because it's, 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 it's part of an, a very important segment, um, one that could give us a lot of volume, but also one that's not only giving people mobility, but also is a vehicle that can move South Africa forward by giving them, them mobility. So um, we had a lot of planning and a lot of things happening prior to this event um, so that we can obviously get it sorted. And then obviously this, this um, little predicament happened. But to talk about the vehicle itself, um, having spent a lot of time with it, and that's why I actually insisted to drive it from Johannesburg to Cape Town, is to really get to, to know the car. And what it really brings to the segment is that Suzuki capability and not Suzuki capability only, but also that character and that 
um, otherness that people like about the Suzuki brand. Because in that segment currently, there's two very big players, and it's great to have now a Suzuki competitor in there that brings all the values and, and, and features and specifications that we've come to love of the Suzuki brand in a segment where people can now be the first to own um, or the first to adopt the Suzuki way of life. Brendan, you want to tell us who those two uh, big competitors are? Uh, yes, well, def definitely our, our sites were on the, the Renault Quid, a vehicle that has seen really good success in South Africa, and also the Datsun Go. Now, to a lesser extent, now that's slightly more expensive or more, um, let's say, position price premium over what, what it used to be, but those cars really um, segmented or, or, or wedged their way into a segment that has seen a lot of growth and one that enables people to, to buy their first vehicle um, new as well. I think, Brendan, you're absolutely right. Just judging by what we see on the roads, um, never mind the norms of figures as such, but what, what I see on the road on a daily basis is a surprising number of quids and a surprising number of, of that's and goes as well. Uh, so it's very clear that there is a need for cars at the entry um, point or the entry level of the market. And I think the spec, especially considering um, safety and things like that, and a two-year service plan, things like that that you offer for 135,000 Rand at the, at the entry level is exceptional. Yes, it was always part of our strategies to say, how can we provide the best value to the customer in, in that regard? And um, not only the, the retail price, it, it wasn't our main strategy to be the most affordable vehicle at the time, but we knew we had to make some kind of impact to say, you know what, this is a budget beater. This is the vehicle that is going to give you all the, the, the specification that you want without compromising on those vital elements like safety, um, like the two airbags, ABS brakes with EBD, and the, the, the TECT platform and Hartec platform that the vehicle is built on. Derek, can I just say that uh, Brendan is actually quite modest and uh, that Suzuki is doing something right the last couple of, of months, especially uh, the market is taking strain. I'm talking pre-corona, um, whereas everybody else is fighting for market share. Suzuki is growing and growing each month. I think uh, your last sales figures, Brendan, if, if I'm not mistaken, is about 1,600 units or something like that? Uh, yes, it was the, the month before on March, actually, which has been the most devastating month so far in, in, in terms of the, the, the market. And we are very... Um, scared and well, not not really scared. Um, concerned on what April is going to show, um, but in in March we we had just over one thousand two hundred vehicles uh, sold, which presents from the previous year more than an eight percent growth um, year on year in a market that's gone, that, that is. So you guys are obviously doing something very very right, and I think this vehicle is going to be uh, a good seller as well. Yes, we we definitely hope so, and we trust that it will do. Um, it's. I won't say like it, it's very hard for us to take the credit because we obviously have been working hard behind the scenes to, to get the vehicle to market, but also it's the, the, the product itself. And without the, the product that, that we have, it's, it's really a, a winning combination. The hard work that the team is doing behind the scenes, um, our dealer network, that, which is growing. And I think success, like it's almost the, the, the theme of sell when you're selling. Um, success breeds the next success because um, people are motivated. Um, they can see it on the bottom line. They can see where the growth is, and that really motivates them to to, to push further. So, really big ups to our to our dealer network in that regard. Having a product that's well positioned and also presenting something that's not the the run of the mill or the same old same old that I think the market responds well to at this moment in time. Well, big ups to you on uh, doing so well, given the fact that you had to launch this under very trying circumstances, but you did so with aplomb. Congratulations. That is the Suzuki Espresso. Hannes, 
your let's drive out of five. Derek, I'm not really representative of the target market for this little car, but I think as far as the um, its position in the market, it's spot on. So I'll give it a four out of five. Valdi? Yeah, I'm going to go with my extinguished colleague on that score as well. Four out of five. It's a, It could even be a five. It, it borders on that. It really does answer the need at the right price. And, and that's how you, need, how you need to judge it. So mm, call it a four and a half out of five. And Brendan, without bias whatsoever, going to give you a chance to give you a score. <laughs> no bias. <laughs> no bias. Um, definitely a four out of five because the, the was well, 4.5 out of five. It's a four and a half out of five. Because um, if we are five out of five, it means that we've achieved everything that we want. And being the brand that we are, we want to push further and have that motivation to to, to get that last 0.5 of a percent. So I would say four and a half out of five. Absolutely Ooh. love it. Thank you so much, Brendan Carpenter from Suzuki. That's the Suzuki Espresso. And I'm gonna so there's no question that this pandemic and lockdown has affected uh, businesses the world over, including the world of sports. Now, as a result, esports has now come to the fore as uh, numerous sports uh, take to that offering. And we've seen it across a multiple uh, number of fields, um, particularly, though, in the motoring front. Uh, Ferrari Charles, uh, Charles Leclerc uh, winning his debut virtual Grand Prix after dominating Sunday's online esports race among F1 drivers past and present, it was it was fascinating to watch. And, of course, it didn't have all the drama of a real live Formula 1 race, but uh, it was great to watch nonetheless. Uh, and uh, it was great to see how competitive the guys were, even though, in effect, they were, were playing a video game. Now, joining us now, we've got uh, Len Neri, who's uh, the business development manager for South Africa's largest and longest-running esports lifestyle gaming and technology expo called Rage, which is now in its 18th year since inception. So, Len, you speak to majority of people around when it comes to the lockdown. Uh, they're very despondent. They're not too happy with how things are going. But uh, I suppose that in your field, you must be thrilled how esports has certainly come to the fore. Well, firstly, hello. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, uh, esports, uh, you know, it's been around for a long time. So it's sad that it's taken uh, a, a virus to to make more people sit up and, and, and notice that even though they play solitaire in, <laughs> in their homes, they're still a gamer. You know, we're all gamers, after all, aren't we? Yeah, well, Hannah's not so much. Uh, I'm a gamer, Voldu very much a gamer. And in fact, uh, you founded NAG, New Age Gaming Magazine, uh, back in the day, who Voldo, incidentally, used to write for, Valis. Yeah, I used to do, um, ironically, actually, the, the motorsport reviews for NAG in the early days. Uh, I was full-time employed. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this because it was moonlighting. But anyway, I was I was employed as deputy editor of Drive magazine in those days, Drive and Bill magazine, sort of late in the, in the late 90s. And um, and the guy from NAG approached us to do some writing for um, you know, to just to review motorsport games. Um, ironically, that's what we're about to talk to talk about even more today. With regards to to the F1 races, we've seen it uh, being hosted as well in MotoGP. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. And 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 could you see this coming to the fore in the future um, once the lockdown is over? Well, hopefully once it's once it's over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I just want to uh, maybe surprise you and, and the, the listeners a little bit here in that we've been working for a number of years now with not only um, 
organizations like Motorsport South Africa, um, but also uh, the FIA, who have been um, working globally to get um, more esports, or uh, well, I guess the bums in the seats at uh, racing events is the ultimate goal. Um, and a good entry point for a lot of the younger guys is uh, play uh, on a simulator um, at home and um, foster some interest in real racing. And Motorsports Africa have um, uh, got 12 of these official FIA racing simulators in the country. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to be the custodian of those simulators. And wow. uh, we're doing some some amazing things with them. Um, and unfortunately, uh now that the RAND show, because uh, one of the things that, that uh, I'm involved in doing or we're involved in doing um, is uh, uh, putting to, together some uh, awesome esports events around the country. And at the RAND show, uh, within the RAND show, there was an event that's supposed to have happened called Rush that uh, uh, was going to introduce a lot, uh, a large part of the audience or visitors of RAND show to esports racing. And uh, these FIA seats would have been on show and people would have been competing for, yeah, uh, I think the total purse was uh, 200. Well, it's not cancelled, so it is still going to happen. But uh, once lockdown uh, ends, then we'll know the dates. But for around 200,000 rand uh, prize pool, um, hardware and software prizes as well. So, um, yeah, come come race and play and win. Um, so um, we hope that that... Uh, the lockdown um, ends soon, and uh, uh, obviously only once everybody is 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 not in danger, <laughs> and we can get back to to uh, building uh, esports in this country like we've been trying to do for many years. But it's not just the racing; um, it's also working with organisations uh, like FIFA uh, to to build a uh, a soccer fraternity. Um, and globally, there's been a number of teams like Liverpool, for example, and Man United that have um, started their own esports teams. So um, real world sports and esports are uh, coming together quite nicely. Well, I'm not sitting with Valdu, but I can promise you that his eyes and ears lit up at the mere mention of racing simulator. You say there's 12 in the country, you the custodian of them. Um, uh, apart from going to, say, the Rand Easter show, uh, is it possible to, to get a, get bums in those seats to, to test them out? Uh, how how do, does one go about it? Uh, yeah, we actually take them around the country. Um, so at Rage last year was the first time that people actually got to uh, experience them. Um, and uh, yeah, we're a bit, we hit a bit of a stumble block with this uh, COVID-19, but... Um, uh, once this, everything is lifted, we can then plan the, the rest of the year and where they'll be, and we'll for sure um, let people know where they'll be. But the goal is to to get them into as many areas as possible with as many bums as possible in these seats. They are. Um, I mean, it, it's it's amazing to look at the fact that that, that it's got the official FIA uh, licensed product sticker on this thing. I mean, it's just truly amazing. So. Um, that that alone is just insane, and then to be able to to sit and compete uh, for some real cool prizes um, is is pretty insane. And and um, I'm going to rock your world a little bit more here um, in that. Um, oh, should I be talking about this? Yes, you should. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Motorsports Africa. Um, obviously, the goal, ultimate goal, is to get 
youngsters more involved in um, racing through esports and then hopefully go and watch um, some some uh, racing at SWAT Corps or uh, Kailami, for example. Um, so uh, next year, you're going to start seeing um, esports guys uh, being able to officially accredited uh, uh, by Motorsports Africa as an esports racer, and that will then get you into a real car um, with some, um, yeah, some real track time in a real car because you've proven your worth in esports. Well, then, thank you so much. Uh, it's a, a fascinating world that we're about to get into, and who knows, we may even uh, convince Hannes Fisser to, to get himself into a racing simulator and get him more involved on the gaming front. So esports coming to the fore uh, in this uh, very trying time, uh, courtesy of uh, Corona. Len, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, we're going to wrap up now with the Let's Drive Top 5. Given the fact that we are in lockdown, a quick one as uh, we wrap up the show. I want to know from you gents, uh, the top five cars to be locked in. Well, if you're going to spend any significant amount of time in any car, then it just makes sense to me to have the biggest car that's uh, the most comfortable and that can go anywhere. So I'll go with the Toyota Land Cruiser 200 VXR. Well, maybe the Land Cruiser 200 is big brother, the Lexus LX570. It's got more buttons to play with than the 200. <laughs> so yeah, those, those two will be on top of my list. I've got to say a Toyota Fortunate because I have been locked down in a Toyota Fortunate in the back seat, so to speak. We heard Voldu speak about a little earlier, driving from Joburg to Cape Town. If you're sitting in the back seat, uh, where will it be most comfortable? I've covered the length and breadth of uh, South America and now Saudi Arabia. Uh, with Hannes driving over in the Dakar. And I tell you what, uh, it was fairly comfortable despite uh, having to spend the, 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 the time with the likes of Hannes Voldu and uh, our esteemed colleague Raymond Hatz next to me. Two more to go, Voldu. Any to add to that list? I've got one which I've actually been locked down in before with Hannes. We had a challenge on the TV show at Latville years ago to see if we could... I actually said that the car was as comfortable as a, as a flat... And then they challenged me to say, well, if it's as comfortable as a flat, then live in it overnight. I remember and, and this very, very clearly. Can I tip in, Valdo? I remember this. You may. Very, you know what Valdo did to us? He said, well, a Range Rover is as comfortable as a house. So let's stay in, let's stay in one for 24 hours. And there were three of us who spent 24 hours in a Range Rover. Uh, we even bribed from the tailgate. And um, when that didn't work, then Valdo ordered some takeouts that were delivered to us. But yeah, so he's literally stayed in a Range Rover before and it wasn't pleasant. So my, my second choice would have to be my first choice, I guess, um, in my current circumstances. And that is the VW Caravel California version. Um, for those of you who don't know it, please go and have a look on their website. Um, it's got four-wheel drive. It's the size of a combi. But what makes it so special is the fact that it has a pop-up tent on the roof. Um, so you can actually be separate from your children for a little bit or your wife, if that's what you prefer. Um, it's got fantastic technology, it, you know, Bluetooth streaming, everything that you want to do. So you can do entertainment. But the fact that there's a tent and a table and, and, and an awning and you can, you know, there's a lot of space in there. The only downside to it is it costs 1.1 million rand which is quite a lot of money for a combi. Gents, it's been a pleasure. One episode done and let's drive. Uh, let's do it again.